Welcome to the gathering at Adel. Today's message is the last in our series, How to Pray. Today we will be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. We, we genuinely love kids here. The purpose and the goal of this was not like, we're, we need to start an elementary class because they're driving us nuts. We need to kick them out of here. This is only where adults go. That is absolutely not true. The only reason that we started this first through six is so that they have a place where they can be challenged and encouraged with a message on their level. Uh, most weeks I try to remember to like speak to them and I forget because I'm just speaking to adults. And so we, we're, we're setting this time apart and I know it's only the last Sunday of the month to start off with, but what we really want them to do is to be challenged and encouraged and we want them to go and be the light in their schools, in their houses, wherever they go. We want them to be that. And so that is the purpose of that. You will notice that we still have lots of kids in here and we love that. So Welcome you guys here. We are wrapping up. This will be our last message on how to pray for, for now. Um, I, I don't want you to think that we have solved all of it and we've got it all figured out and time to move on. It's just that this is part seven. I feel like seven is the, the number of perfection and completion. So we might as well just stop there, right? Because I don't know, how, I don't want to have to get to 77, right? So let's just stop on how to pray at part seven. And really we've been walking through the Lord's prayer, Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13, Jesus teaching his disciples on what it looks like to pray. And really, uh, as we've kind of gone through this, we've summarized it, uh, me and me and a couple of the staff members just working on it, summarizing the Lord's Prayer, that it is a confession of how great God is, how I am not in control, that my will doesn't matter, that I am in need of his daily provision, that I am in need of his forgiveness, that my flesh does not like to forgive others. And if I am left to my own devices, I will wander down the wrong path because I am weak. And so that has kind of summarized our Lord's Prayer through, through all of that. And then last week we talked specifically about, we've been on it for two weeks, but deliver us not, or, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And what does that look like? And so last week we talked about how do we resist temptation? And one, we said that it starts off by being sober-minded, by being alert, by being ready for the attack that the enemy's gonna throw at you to not be lazy and just right? But to be sober-minded, to be alert. Uh, then, then it says that we looked at the adversary, that the enemy is a liar. He is an imposter. It says that he roams around like a lion. He is not the lion from the tribe of Judah. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And so the lion that roams around is a liar and an imposter. And so to recognize that he is defeated, that he is, I mean, in, in, you know, maybe I'll take some heat for that, but he is worthless. He is meaningless. He has no power over me. He is defeated. He is little bitty. Like we saying that our God, Jesus has no rival. There is no equal. This is not a battle of good versus evil, but that the enemy is pitiful and he is defeated. He is a liar. Number three, we said to resist. It's simply just saying no. And that's not very easy, but it is very simple. All right, so that leads us to the, today's passage. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18. It, it kind of seems 
contradictory to go from the Lord's Prayer to this. The Lord's Prayer seems very formal, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But we talked and we said that the Lord's Prayer was never designed to be just recited just because. Like it, it was it provided concepts for you to start with and then go off into your own prayer point. So, you know, when it comes down to, you know, my, not my will, you know, my will, not, not my will be done. Your kingdom come, not my will be done. And so what you pray that, but then you go into that and say, Father, this is, man, I really want to do this. Is this my will or is this your will? Like, I feel like this is good, but I just want to know what it is. You know, and, and when we, it says, forgive us of our trespasses, or our are our debts as we forgive our debtors. It doesn't just stop there. If it just stops there, then you've lost the point of the Lord's prayer. At that point, then you begin to go, Father, forgive me for this, this, and this. And I'll save myself the embarrassment on what my debts are this week. As I will save you from the embarrassment on confessing them publicly too. And, and then we don't just say, all right, and forgive our, our debts as we forgive those who owe us a debt to. No, but it, then you go, and Father, I, I want to release this person. They don't owe me anything. And, and you begin, you make it personal. So it can seem almost like it's very formal, but it's not formal at all. It's just an outline and their concepts, and then now we take it. And so then we come into today's passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And it says, uh, this is out of the Christian Standard Bible, but it says, Rejoice always, pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. One will say, one, some other versions might say, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. And, and really, when we look at that, it, it's kind of the same concept is that, that it should be an ongoing conversation. I, uh, you can probably tell from the side of me, I, I do not enjoy diets. I, uh, I just don't like dieting. I think, I think it's dumb. Uh, don't worry, I will get to, I'm like, I'm not just bashing healthy lifestyle eating changes, Lauren, don't worry, right? Just stick with me, this has a point. But like, dieting is always meant to be short term. Like, I'm gonna diet, uh, whether it's Whole30 for 30 days, and then I've done that, and then day 31, I eat 19 cakes, right? Like, okay, right? We, we diet so that we can fit into a wedding dress or a dress to go to a wedding. We, we diet so that we uh, can have the beach body for, you know, that one beach trip that one week. And then all of a sudden we get back and it's like, okay, beach body gone. You know, we, we diet for a short term because we have a, a hike up a mountain and that we're going to make and that I will literally die on that mountain if I don't lose 15 pounds right here. You know, like sometimes people, you know, we go on a men's hiking trip and they just like, and they're like, ah, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, bro, I weigh 50 pounds more than you. Like, strap a sack of corn right there and tell me how easy it is, right? That's the difference. So, I, you know, like, we diet for a short-term purpose or, or a challenge with guys at work. And, and it's like, but it's short-term. And, and what always happens is that we always go back to the old ways if we diet. And so that's why what, we, what really produces change is, is a lifestyle. It, it has to be a lifestyle change. It can't just be one or two things that we change up and hope that, and once we hit that end goal, then it's done. But it's, hey, we're going to hit this goal and then the next goal and then the next goal and the next goal. And those goals will change, not just from weight and all that, but to, to health and all that. So 
Any long-term result requires a lifestyle change. You see, when you diet, it's not just what you eat, but it's how do you view food. You exercise, and you have to change your habits, and you have to change your routines. Long-term results require significant changes to how we approach things, which results in a new lifestyle. Prayer is the same way. If you and I wake up each morning and we recite the Lord's Prayer, we go over our same nine prayer list, people that we pray for, and we do that only out of obligation, only to get our spouse off of our back because she or he, it's mainly she, and they're probably right, but to get our spouse off of our back because he or she thinks that we don't pray enough. If we only do that, if we treat prayer as an obligation instead of a privilege, then then we'll miss the point. It will be short term. We will start off with first of the year resolution. I'm going to pray every day and, and you'll do it out of religious obligation. And eventually, eventually it loses its luster. It's fun starting a new diet plan and learning all about new foods and this and that. And uh, Lauren was making fun of me the other day because I had tried a raspberry for, for literally the first time ever in my life, just like a week ago. And, and I ate it and I was like, hmm, that's not that bad. And she was very annoyed with me. She's like, oh, imagine that. The Lord created something and it wasn't horrible. I'm like, okay, true. <laughs> she has a way of saying things. <laughs> but you know, like, They're fun at first because you're discovering new foods, new recipes, doing new things. But eventually, if you don't make the changes to your habits, to your routine, to the way that you view food, then it it won't work. And the, the prayer is the same way. If we view it as an obligation, if we view it as checking off a religious box uh, that we did good and we feel good about ourselves, that will only last for a certain amount of time until that new prayer journal that we bought just for this new lifestyle, as soon as it, it's not crisp anymore and you're like, hmm, well, that's not fun. I mean, I got a new pen to write in my new journal and I don't like that pen anymore. You know, like it, as, as soon as it becomes an obligation, then it, it's failed. If you want to see your prayer life change, then you must be willing to make lifestyle changes just in the way that we, in the same way that as we view food. We have to begin to look at prayer differently. We have to begin to exercise that, and we have to change our habits and our routines. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is absolutely a side note, free. You get to take this one, keep it in your pocket, pull out whenever you need it. But so many times we are so concerned about what is God's will for us, like, Does he want me to have this red red truck or this black truck? Does he want me to work in this job or that job? Does he want me to homeschool my kids? Does he want me to take them to public school? Does he want me? Here you go. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To rejoice always. To pray constantly without ceasing. And to give thanks in all circumstances. There you go. Whether it's a black truck or a red truck or a blue truck. If you do those things. That will put you in God's will. You know, so just, that's a free one. Take it there. But you see, there's a flow in these three verses. Always rejoice, always pray, always give thanks. We should continually be in a posture of prayer, leaning on the reality of our desperate need for him, staying dependent on him, never going at it alone. You see, that, that's what 
ties these two prayers together. The Lord's Prayer and this passage right here, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. What ties them together? One seems very formal, sit down, how to do this, and one is just like, hey, as it comes and goes, just pray. But you tie them together because we should always be in a posture of prayer. We should always be in a spot where we are completely dependent on him to where it's not about us. So many times, and especially in Texas, like we try to go at this alone. We think that we can just do it. I don't, know, I don't need to bother anybody. Nobody needs to know, know what's going on with me. I'll just do it all by myself. And the weight and the burden that that puts on you is unbearable. You see that, that you were not made to go at it alone. You were made to be in community with people. You were made to be not just in community with like a church, but you were made to be into like a smaller group, you know, like, like a house church. And then from there, then you're made to be into like a disciple group, like Jesus would pull away the three disciples because that's where we begin to open up and let others in to know what we're dealing with. Because you, I will be honest with you, you cannot bear the weight of all of that by yourself and you were never meant to. Rejoice always means never taking our eyes off of God. In the good times, I rejoice. In the bad times, I rejoice because no matter what I face in this world, he is good, he is for me, and I am not alone. That's what it means to rejoice always. I'm sure we, we can have a whole other sermon series on that. But to rejoice always means that my eyes are always focused on him. That it doesn't matter what's coming against me, what's coming at me, but I'm able to p- keep my eyes on him, to set my gaze on him. And that is how I'm always able to rejoice because I remember that he is good, that he is for me, and that I am never alone. To pray constantly means that I have an ongoing conversation with God, that I get to talk to him about the little things and the big things, my hopes and my dreams, my fears, my worries, my plans and my struggles, all of it, to be fully exposed before him. To pray constantly means to always view him right there with you. We talked last week about about Hattie, me and Hattie, you know, dealing with some things and To to view our relationship with God is as a son or a daughter walking hand in hand in unbroken fellowship with their father. And when you do that, there's something magical that happens. All of a sudden, your prayers begin to change. To give thanks means to properly recognize him and his ways in all circumstances, even when we don't understand it. To give thanks, even when we don't understand it, even when it, it seems like we should not be thankful for this thing, to still be thankful. Because it it doesn't say give thanks whenever you feel like it. Give thanks for when it's good. Give thanks for when you want to. But it says give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There was a a lady, uh, Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you guys have heard of her. Amazing. She wrote this book called The Hiding Place. And uh, she was born in like 1892. Uh, Her dad, his name was Casper Ten Boom. He was a watchmaker in the Netherlands. And uh, she, she became, she actually became like her whole life story is completely fascinating, but she was like the first licensed female watchmaker in the Netherlands. And so took up the business and, uh, her story for today that, that deals with us and giving thanks in all circumstances. There, there was a time where when the Nazis invaded the Netherlands and they began to round up the Jews that were there. And her family began to help the Jews hide. 
And so they actually built a room into their house to, to hide. It could hold up to six Jews at a time. And it would give them a place to come to, to get things sorted out. And then they actually would have like an underground system that they would go and get them to safety. It's on record that they saved over 800 Jews' lives from the Nazis, you know, from death and torture from Nazis. And it's amazing that, and there's a lesson to be learned. Once again, this is another free one, but they built an entire room onto their house that was used to minister just for the Lord. Let that sink in as we're talking about how to spend our money, how to add on to our houses. But they built an entire room onto their house just for that sole purpose. There was even, the, the Nazis would come through and they would do routine checks on all the houses to, to make sure nobody was there that wasn't supposed to be there to find the Jews. And there was even an alarm system that they had a buzzer system that, that they would hit whenever the Nazis would come and it would ring all throughout the house and it would, gave them just enough time to go into the hiding place. It, it went through her, uh, through her bedroom into another room. An amazing testimony to, to read that book. But what, what it looked like to me is at one point they got found out, they got caught, they captured, arrested. And uh, her and her sister were taken to Ravensbrück, which a uh, concentration camp, which is one of the most severe ones that they had. And, and they were able to sneak a Bible with them in there. It, and their reading of the day that they were arrested was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. They, they, they endure all the, the suffering, humiliation, and all that, and they get ready to be placed into their chamber to, to where they're going to go and stay. Not, not the gas chamber at that time, but it's like where they're holding cell. And, and they're getting ready to walk in there, and there, there's an infestation of fleas all over the place. And her older sister, Betsy, was like, Let's give, let's give God thanks for the fleas. And she's like, <laughs> can't do it. Like, I don't understand. Eventually, she gives thanks for the fleas. You see, we can give thanks even when we don't understand it. But when we're prompted by God, prayer is an ongoing conversation. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you just go, okay. And so she thanked God for the fleas. And they got in there and they, they began holding Bible studies you know, times of worship, reading the word. Of course, if they were found out by the guards, they would be immediately executed. But all of a sudden they realized that the guards never interrupted them when they were in there. They, and they were able to have it without interruption. And later on, she found out because the guards were terrified of the fleas. So they wouldn't step foot in there. You see that even when we don't understand it, we can give thanks because even when an infestation of fleas can seem like something small and menial and not something to be thankful for, but that anything can be used for God's glory. I mean, isn't that crazy? And it even goes on like she was tried before, uh, you know, they hold this court. I, I don't even want to call it a court. The Nazis would hold a court and you were found guilty no matter what. But, but they, they take her before and she begins to have to stand trial for what she was accused of. And, and she begins to talk about when she gets out, she wants to have a place where she can care for the mentally ill and the disabled, which just enraged the Nazis because that was the first people they were killing because they thought that they were worthless. They, they send her back to there. She gets released like three weeks later. It was a clerical error. But three weeks later after that trial, she gets released and I think it was about a month later, every, every lady in, that, in her chamber 
were killed. They were taken to the gas chamber. She was spared by a clerical error. An amazing story that we can give thanks in all circumstances. So what I'm saying is even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when it doesn't make sense, God is good. When he tells you to give thanks for your battery, that won't start. And you have to call in for work. You go, okay, Lord. I don't understand it. It's going to cost me money to miss work. It's going to cost me to pay for the new battery. But I'll just say, okay, thank you, Father, for this battery that won't start. Because you never know what he's saving you from. You, you can thank him for being, for not having an abundance. And you can go, Father, I don't understand. Everybody else is doing well, but I just don't have a lot right now. You can thank him in, in, even when you don't have a lot. Because the Father can do so much more with very little than anybody can do with all the money in the world. Because even in the middle of you having very little, it does not compare to the 42% of the world that lives and dies on $2.15 a day. So you might have a little by American standards, but to the rest of the world, you're rich. When we rejoice, you see there's a flow right there. When we rejoice, our attention is properly placed on God then we can pray. When we pray, we are able to see things properly, to have clarity, which leads us to give thanks in all circumstances. And when we're thankful, we tend to rejoice at who God is and his goodness and his faithfulness. And when we rejoice, then we pray. And when we pray, we give thanks. So how do we move from a, a diet of prayer to a lifestyle of prayer? We change our view of prayer, we exercise, and we change our habits and routines. Number one, we have to change our view of prayer. Prayer is not our opportunity for God to grant us our three wishes. Prayer is not the equivalent of an Amazon wish list where we just get to go and put it, boom, 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 add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, and then, okay, Lord, you know what I need now. Prayer is not about getting what we want or what we need. When we view prayer through those lenses, we will surely be disappointed. You see that prayer has very little to do about us and has everything to do about him. You see that, that in Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, right before the Lord's Prayer in verses 5 through 8, there's even one point where he says, hey, don't babble. Don't, don't go on and on about what you want or what you need. He says, for, for the Lord already knows before you even ask. I would challenge you to say that, that prayer, a part of our prayer should not even be what we need or what we want. Because if we're close to the Father, he already knows. If he's good and he's for us and we're not alone, then he already knows. He, he knows you need that big break at work. He knows that your kids need help. He, he knows it all. He knows it before you even ask. And so Jesus is like, don't babble and go on and on. Your father already knows. Prayer is about seeing, seeing God rightly. Receiving from him what we need for each day and surrendering to him. Walking in forgiveness and living a life that is pleasing to him. Prayer is about walking in fellowship with our father. The original intent, the original design was for man to walk with God in the cool of day in the garden. 
Do you see that that prayer was not designed just for this one time right at night before we go to bed, we have to say these things. But prayer was meant as an ongoing conversation with the Father. To walk with him as if he's right there beside you. It doesn't have to be this big formal, our Father who art in heaven. It's just like, hey, you're still there. Awesome. Where, where you're driving to a meeting, it's just like, all right, hey, Lord. I know you're there. You never leave me. You know what I need. You know what these people need. I don't want to offer them anything that I've got. I just want to offer them what you have. You know, it's just a simple conversation of, okay, Lord, I'm pulling into lunch today. Man, do you want me to bless somebody today? Do you want me to bless them by speaking a kind word? Do you want me to bless them by paying for their food? It can even go before that. You can even say, Father, where do you want me to eat today? Not where, not where do I want to eat, but where do you want me to eat? Because you might have something predestined for me right there. It says that he prepares for us good works in, in advance. And, and, and so like maybe there's something that he wants you to do there. And, and so like when we begin to view prayer as that, prayer is about bringing the gospel to the lost. Like when we pray, it's to see him rightly, to walk in unbroken fellowship with the Father. And it's prayer is now to get our assignment from the Father, how we can minister to the lost. Prayer is about being led by the Spirit. Number two, it's exercise. How, how, how do we... How do we make this a lifestyle? We have to exercise. The only way that prayer becomes a lifestyle is by you exercising it, by you practicing it, by you doing it. It, it doesn't just, it doesn't help to just buy the treadmill and put it there. You've got to get on it every day. Running three miles a day, walking three miles a day on that treadmill once doesn't do anything. Makes you sweaty, makes you feel good about yourself. But if that's the only time you do it, you just shouldn't have even done it, <laughs> honestly. But walking three miles a day, every day, for a year, now that will produce change. You see, our prayer, a lifestyle of prayer is frequent, consistent, and persistent. A lifestyle of prayer is frequent, consistent, and persistent. We're going to just turn back a couple of books in the Bible to Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13. This will help illustrate our point that prayer is frequent, consistent, and persistent. This is Jesus talking. He said, he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and Goes, at him, goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked to my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our prayer life should be defined as frequent, consistent, and persistent. You can turn to Luke chapter 18. This will help illustrate the point even further. Looking at verses 1 through 8, it says, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and to not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps persisting me, I will give her justice so that she does not wear me out with, by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, or the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, he will find faith on earth. Sometimes we get confused that, that we think we ask and we talk to God about these things and, and we say it one time and, and then we're done. But, but a, a lifestyle of prayer is persistent, consistent, and frequent. It says, ask and you shall receive. I, I think, I mean, maybe a lot of us know that, but that verb... It, in the Greek is talking about, it's like a constant ask. It's, it's always like, don't just ask once, but ask and ask again and ask again and ask again and ask again and ask again, kind of like a four-year-old, right? They have no problem asking and asking and asking again over and over and over and over. I think sometimes we pray once and then, then that's all we got. You know, we get sick in our family and we pray over them once it's like, hmm, well, I guess, I guess that was it. No, no healing this time. That's a diet of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. It says, hey, I'm going to keep praying. Even, even when I don't see improvement, even when it gets worse. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking him. Because that's what, that's what we're going to do. Because just because we don't understand it, sometimes we stop. Well, I prayed once. That's what God wanted me to do, pray. If he wanted me to keep praying, he would have told me, no, keep praying. Be persistent. Can, can I say when, when exercise, the key to exercise is to be consistent. I, I don't, not that I'm exhibiting that myself, but I, I've heard that that's a, an, an ongoing thing. To be consistent in exercise, otherwise it, it does no good. You have to continue to do th something. You have to continue. And a lifestyle is not just seeking a short-term result. But what we're saying is that we want to be people that are consistently praying for people, for our family, for others. Like we always want to be doing that. I, I've gotten to the habit of when someone will say, hey, can you pray for me? I mean, we're all guilty of this, even if you, you're not going to be able to admit it today. But we're all guilty of it. Someone will say, hey, can you be praying for me? And with the best intentions in the world, we say, absolutely. And then we get to doing laundry or playing Fortnite or doing something else. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I didn't actually pray for that person. 
a good habit to get into, uh, to part of exercising that is if someone says, hey, can you pray for me? To stop what you're doing, pray for them. And then I always, I always send them back. Hey, I want you to know I prayed for you. Here's how I prayed. Here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. Because what, what we're doing is now we're beginning to sow a lifestyle of prayer, not just into my life, but we're going to set an example of what that looks like. Because I think a lot of times we text like 30 people, hey, can y'all be praying for me? Because we know like two are going to. But if we get to the point where all of a sudden we're responding back and forth, hey, I did pray for you. Here's how I prayed. Here's what the Lord said to me for you. All of a sudden, you know what? Now they don't have to text 30 people anymore. They can text one person and they know you're going to pray because you're consistent and you're persistent. Can I, can I encourage you that, that when you're praying for others, don't just pray and go, okay, that's it. And, and I know sometimes we have to be sensitive, but, but like then follow up and say, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you today? You know, because you prayed for them yesterday and that was a thing, but hey, how can I pray for you today? Are you feeling any better? Are you doing any better? Do you feel the peace that, that you're looking? You know, continue, be persistent with that prayer. Because, now, because you're stewarding that well and then you're sowing into them what it looks like to live a lifestyle of prayer. But the same thing goes with our Father. We have to be persistent with Him. Just like a little kid, we have to be persistent. The last one, it says that we have to change our habits and routines. It takes 28 days, according to the experts, to start a new habit, to form a new habit. You do one thing, one time, at a certain time, whatever. It takes 28 days in a row to make that, to make the habit, and then all of a sudden it just becomes natural. Even when we are doing Whole30, uh, it's just funny because I have formed this habit of I walk into Pack-A-Sack, which is a convenience store in Tron, like, and I just, like my body just goes on autopilot and I just walk right to the Dr. Pepper aisle, right? Like, boom, it's there. Well, we've been on like day, day whatever, like 20 on Whole30 before and we'll, I'll like walk into Pack-A-Sack, like literally out of habit and I'll walk up there. I mean, not even think, grab Dr. Pepper and turn around. And then like, I've had to catch myself like, wait, what? Like, I've even made it to the counter. I've actually even paid for one one time. Like, that's how big of a habit it is. I'm like, I don't need that. What? I'm, I'm, I can't even drink that. You know, like, it, it, be, it needs to become that same way with prayer. Habits take a long time to stick, right? Because we, our days are so busy, so full. It takes a while for one to crack through. So can I encourage you? That's why our prayer needs to be frequent, consistent, and persistent so that it gets into our habits. If you're not going to magically just randomly start praying, it's going to take time and effort. It will, it will take, it will make you take the hard choices and establish a new lifestyle. Like you're going to have to make hard choices in your habits and routines. If you're going to establish a lifestyle of prayer, it's not just going to magically happen. You're not just going to hop in the car on your way to work and all of a sudden just begin to just speak in the language of angels and tongues. And it's just glorious. And the Lord met you there. It's going to take effort and time. And there are going to be some times where you, you do begin to pray, and it's just like, man, that was great. The Lord was there. And there's going to be some times where you just pray, and it's like, didn't really feel anything, but that's okay. I'm going to continue and pray. You see that, that we're going to have to change our habits and our routines if this is actually going to work. If we're going to actually have a lifestyle of prayer, then we actually have to fit time in. We're going to, either, we're going to have to change our habit of what time we get up, what time we go to bed, what do we do on our lunch break? We're going to have to change our entire habit or routines. But can I tell you right now that if you have a lifestyle of prayer, everything that you change and get rid of will absolutely be worth it. You will not miss it any longer. 
It will be so beneficial to walk in unbroken fellowship with your father. To know that at any moment he's right there. To, to know the closeness that's available to you. It is absolutely beautiful. You're going to have to be willing to let go of some things to establish a lifestyle of prayer. Writing to work or taking the kids to school. There, you, you have a routine, right? Like hop in and you know exactly what time of day it is, whether you're going to work, coming home, what show is on, who's on talk radio, who's on sports radio, what morning shows you listen to, all of that. Like you've got it timed out if you drive to and from work on a daily basis. Can I, can I challenge you that, that if you want to establish a lifestyle of prayer, you're gonna have to be willing to give that up. Be, because driving is a perfect time to pray. Jesus taught, hey, go, go to your room, shut the door and pray. And there, there are times and places for that. But when you're out and about and you're driving, I can promise you that. I, I don't listen to talk radio. I, I love to talk radio. Uh, it, it's fun and people on there are hilarious. But I don't listen to talk radio anymore. It just it doesn't do it for me. And you know, like we have to be willing to get rid of those things and say, okay, is that going to be worth it to be knowledgeable on all the things that are going on? Or is it more beneficial to know what's going on in the Father's heart? A, a practical one is folding laundry. Guys, as y'all are folding the laundry, you know, <laughs> that's a joke. But y'all can't fold laundry. But we know, right? But, but as you're folding laundry... And instead of grumbling about how there's like the one or like there's three socks that don't go with any other three socks because that always happens. But what, what if you change your habit and your, your routine and as you're folding your kid's laundry, you begin to pray for that kid. You're folding up the pajamas, right, for, for your little ones. So you just, hey, Father, we, thank you for, for Milo. Thank you for Evelyn. Pray that as they wear the pajamas, Father, that they'll have peace tonight. Let them dream big dreams. Let them experience you today. Let them know your love, right? I mean, folding laundry is something that we all have to do. Make it beneficial. Change your habit, your routine. And some of your habits and routines aren't bad. Like, like some of you are like, man, I listen to worship music to and from work. I don't know what you're talking about. Awesome. Can I encourage you to take some of that time, though, to just turn the radio off and just pray? Or just sit in silence and allow him to speak to you. But, but while you're doing dishes, let that be an opportunity to where we can begin to pray. We can begin to be thankful that we had food for that night. We can be thankful for our kids and be praying over them as they get ready to do homework. And think, you know, like there's all sorts of things as you're taking the kids to school, right? And, and I, I get it. I know how hard it is to get out the morning with kids. I do it occasionally. So I don't get very occasionally. I don't want to get any death stares from over there. I'll just look this way, right? I, I know how hard it is sometimes, and the last thing you want to do while you're taking your kids to school is pray, right? But if you can begin to pray over them and say, Father, we just pray over Hattie. We pray that today that she'll be a light. Father, pray for Ollie. Let him sit by somebody that he normally doesn't sit by at lunch. Let him see a kid that's in need, that's hurting, that's broken, hurting, hurting, that's broken. Like, let, let him be a light today. You know, and so you can begin to pray that. And then all of a sudden you realize that it's really not that difficult. It, it doesn't take hardly any time at all. And then all of a sudden you, you've prayed and you've done it. And it starts to become second nature. You don't even have to think about it. It's just who you are now. 
during your lunch break. I mean, I, I, know, I know you all have a routine. You know, you sit down, do whatever you do, but pull out your phone, look at the news, get, get on social media. But what if during your lunch break you just said, mm, not today. I, it doesn't matter what's happening right now. I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. Obviously, that was geared towards working moms and dads because uh, stay-at-home moms, there is no such thing as a lunch break. But, but even as you're preparing the lunch for the kids, you know, like it's something that it doesn't have to be this big formal like sit down and awe moment. It's just like as you're making your kids lunches, it's just like, Father, thank you for this food. I pray that it would nourish their body. It's really simple stuff. It doesn't have to be complicated, but, but what it does take is for you to change your habit and to, for you to change your routine, for you to be willing to go, okay, you know what? This is what I'm going to do, and, and I'm, there's going to be times you don't enjoy it, but all of a sudden, you build in that habit and that routine, and it becomes even more pleasurable and enjoyable. I'm going to end with, with a challenge, then we're going to pray and dismiss and go have some good chili dogs and Frito pie. Can I challenge you this week to begin to talk to God as if he were face-to-face? Our, our pastor, Jesse, uh, over at the Brock Church, he, like, he, he even goes as far, you know, and it, it could seem weird, but it's not, you know, like he even pretends like, like the Lord, the Holy Spirit's just like right next to him in the passenger seat, and he's like, yeah, before I get into a me- go into a meeting, you know, we pray, talking, you know, just talking with the, with the Holy Spirit, and then he's like, all right, here we go. He goes like, like a little fist bump with the Holy Spirit and go, but it's just a constant reminder of, hey, he's right here. Can I, can I begin to just talk to, challenge you and talk to you like, just, just talk to him as if he's face to face. Don't, don't make prayer, don't let prayer freak you out so much that you end up not praying at all. Can I challenge you to just pray? It's an exercise. It's a, it's a discipline that we need in our lives. Can I challenge you to just go, okay. I'm going to pray. We're going to close in prayer. And when we close in prayer, I want you to say, Father, what time do you want me to pray this week? I'm not asking you to, to, to commit for a whole year yet. All right. We'll get to that later. But I'm just asking you for this week. Can you just say, Father, what time do you want me to wake up? What time do you want me to go to bed? When do you want me to pray? And I'm going to set that. That's going to be my set time. And then can I challenge you to make the hard choices and change up the routine? Do something drastically different in your routines, and you'll get a different result. There's a saying, uh, what is it? It's some sports saying, like, if you always do what you've always done, some, you always get what you always got. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Okay. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. If you don't change something up, it's not going to magically happen. You have to do it. So, what we're going to do is we're just going to say, we're going to close in prayer. You're going to spend time, not just you, but I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And I'm going to ask him, Father, let me, let me see you as if you're face to face. Give me a time that you want me to pray. And then throughout the day, what's one thing that you want me to change this week? Seven days. Seven days we can do it. So, Father, we come before you today. Thank you for your word. Just come before you and just receive this right now. And we say, Father, we we want to speak to you as a face-to-face. Let us see you rightly. Father, we just pray right now. I ask that you would speak to all of us here in this room, that you would give us a specific time 
morning, noon, or night that you want us to just get alone, shut the door and pray. Intercede for our family, for our church, for our leaders. And then, Father, just ask you to to lead us and guide us right now into one habit that we can change. What's one thing that we can lay down for this week to encounter you? And Father, I thank you that, that you're going to meet us, that, that, that we're going we're gonna to meet you this week. It's going to be great. Let us see your goodness through all of this. Establish in us a lifestyle of prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.